Welcome to the Real Estate Asset Management Podcast brought to you by Break of Day Capital. The show focuses on educating syndicators and apartment owners on how to build systems and manage their properties more efficiently to become a best-in-class operator. 100% straight talk. Let's jump in. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Asset Management Podcast. I'm your host, Gary Lipsky with Break of Day Capital. Be sure to join our Facebook group, Asset Management Mastery, where we have a great community of thousands of like-minded individuals sharing resources and best practices. Choosing the right insurance coverage for multifamily properties isn't that complicated, if you know who to talk to. At the Garzella Group, we're uniquely qualified to help you navigate the range of policy choices you have, and we're committed to saving you 30% in the process. We do intensive market research and have nationwide relationships, so we can find coverage other insurance brokers simply can't. We should talk. Go to quotenow.biz and we'll start the conversation. Today on the podcast, we have David Childers. Dave is a managing member of Residential Investment Advisors and Cedar Rock Capital based in Nashville, Tennessee. Dave started the brokerage about 10 years ago and has been investing in real estate for over 17 years. Welcome, Dave. Can you start by telling the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you do? Yeah. Thanks, Gary, for having me. I appreciate you having me on the podcast. Like you said, I've been uh, investing in real estate for in multifamily for almost 17 years now. Been a multifamily broker for roughly 10 We're based here in Nashville, Tennessee, and we focus on the brokerage side. I kind of found a niche back when I started the firm doing small multifamily. So two to 50 units is really what I broker. But I cut my teeth owning larger complexes and really learned the business sitting in a manager's seat. And I think your topic of asset management is perfect. I love this podcast because I think it's something I think we talked about this in Houston was it's not taught in a boardroom. It's not taught at a convention or you got to learn it, I think, from doing it and getting on site and getting your hands dirty and kind of seeing how the property actually runs. So thank you so much for putting this podcast together. And uh, I commend you. It's a great topic that needs to be talked about. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Well, today let's talk about site visits because I mean, sometimes I'm blown away, and and you mentioned it too, by owners not doing enough of these site visits, and it's so critical for someone's success. But, you know, I'm sure you've walked hundreds, if not thousands, of properties over the years. And, you know, what are the like top three most critical things you're looking for when you do a site visit? You know, I like to make surprise visits. I, we were just talking about flights, right? I think you need to make surprise visits. You need to show up unannounced and you need to see where the state of the property is, you know, landscaping, vacant units. What do the back porches look like? Are the turns, the quality that you're expecting and you want? Is the painting done the correct way? Is the maintenance guy shop in order? And again, I think unannounced visits are the best and maybe managers don't like it. But I know we talk a lot about buying properties in places that you like where you have family. So one property I'd purchased was in Florida. And so, you know, while we were on vacation, I would just stop by. The manager sometimes wouldn't recognize me because I had my board shorts on and uh, flip flops, but I liked it that way. Right. And, uh, you know, I made her feel as comfortable as I can with site visits unannounced. I wanted to see if the grass was overgrown and if, you know, everything that I had asked the last time for the property had been done. I hop in the golf cart, take a couple trips around the property, you know, back doors. I want to see what the back porches look like and, uh, you know, make sure the rules are being followed. And uh, so, yeah, those are some of the things that I look for. Yeah, absolutely. I love that you said unannounced because that's so critical. 
one of our first properties, we had a property manager that would tell us like, oh, this was done and this was done and this was done. And and we would do a site visit and it wasn't done. And we did that, I think twice by the second time, we're like, she's got to go. She's lying to us. She's saying stuff is done and it's not done. And you can request pictures of everything. And we usually do, but there was a couple like small stuff. Like we didn't expect to have to ask for every little thing, but you're hundred percent right. You, it's so critical. To an, old, an old timer actually once taught me to make sure you walk every vacant unit you have too, because sometimes you'll have owners or managers who will stick somebody in and be accepting cash and not have them on the books. So that was something that I've always done. You know, I want to see the condition so that next month when I get my financials, I have an idea, you know, was that a heavy turn? Was that an easy turn? You know, are we running into the same issues with the flooring? The flooring keeps buckling and all those just little things that catch your eye when you're actually on site. And I think you and I were talking before we started the recording, buying assets in a place where it's easy to get in and easy to get out. I've been asked to be partners on certain deals. And I'll, the first question I ask is, can I get there with a direct flight Southwest, right? And they laugh and I'm like, I want to be able to go there, check the property. You know, I have to make my site visits. I've got to get there. And I don't want to take a plane, a train and an automobile just to get there. So I think those are things that people need to think about when you're buying these properties is in four years when it's not sexy anymore. And it's just kind of that you know, you've had it now, are you going to want to go there twice a year, three times a year and make these site visits? I think those are things that people need to examine themselves. You know, if you live in California and you're investing in Connecticut, that's a big trip, you know, just to check on something. So I think you need to think about things like that. And I really learned this when I started brokering multifamily here in Nashville, and I was seeing properties going to foreclosures. I realized that you know, they were going into foreclosures because of mismanagement, but because the owners couldn't come out here and just check on their property, right? They didn't want to make that two days worth of travel to come and check on their property. And so I really started telling people, invest in properties as close to home as you can, because you need to still, you know, everybody thinks it's mailbox money. And I always am like, it's not mailbox money. You got to be involved. You got to be in these people's not their faces, but you got to know what's going on in your property. If you think that you're just going to invest in something and you know, 100% walk away, that is the furthest thing from the truth. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's plenty of markets. I'm based in the West Coast. And I mean, I love the Southeast, but unless I partner with someone there, I'm not going to be purchasing properties there because I'm just not going to get to it. And you know, I could visit Tucson. I could see all my properties in a day and I can walk the comps and I can walk some potential new properties as well, all in one very long day, but I can get it done or, or even two days, but at least it's easy for me to get to. Well, and if there was an emergency on that property tonight, you could hop in your car and be there, right? If you don't think the money's being spent, again, you could be there very quickly and not have to be making flights or, you know, that was always my thing is if I can invest within a day's drive, you know, an eight hour day or, you know, of driving, that was kind of my parameters here for me here. I'm based in Nashville, Tennessee. So we're really centrally located. One thing we need to work on you is just get you out of California. That will help a lot. <laughs> yeah, I get that a lot. But uh, I do live close to the beach, so it's hard to leave. <laughs> yeah, I understand that. We don't have a beach here in Nashville. so Right. But I do love Nashville. Yeah, it, it's a fun town. And again, that's what uh, if you've heard of Opryland Hotel or Gaylord Opryland or Gaylord Hotels, you know what their success for because of Nashville is so centrally located to all of the people on the East Coast. So it's a very easy place, you know, 
I can leave my house and be through security and on a plane within 30 minutes. And again, like I said, in Pensacola, I could fly directly there and it was an easy flight. But I've just seen this so many times brokering properties where owner will call me and they have this distressed asset. And I'm like, well, why is it distressed? And they'll, well, I don't know. I was like, well, when was the last time you actually set foot on this property? And they tell me, oh, it's been years. I'm like, you live 45 minutes away. You're telling me that four, three, four times a year, you couldn't you know, just drive there one day and just walk units. I felt bad for owners in the beginning that property managers were taking advantage of them or they weren't doing their job. But then I started not feeling bad for them when I realized that it was just kind of laziness. And, and mostly if you have partners, maybe you can trade on and off when you go, but definitely doing site visit. That one comes to mind because I think the dumpster was overflowing, right? And, you know, they're broke down cars, just real simple stuff that, you know, again, if they would have given their management company direction, the management company shouldn't have been allowing those things to happen. But, you know, as an owner, you have a responsibility, mostly if you're raising capital and using other people's money, that's your job. Absolutely. And, a property manager, why should they care if the owner doesn't care? They're not going to inspire them. There's not going to be any ownership thinking. So they're going to rise to the bar that you set them to. And if the owner has set that bar really low, then that's what they'll manage to. And they'll they'll focus their attention on all these other properties that they have that the owners are actually paying attention to. And that's a great point too, is, you know, your manager starts understanding that you care about them. You care about the property. You know, I would take them out to lunch. I would bring them a gift, bring them Starbucks gift cards. You know, we're on the same team. How can I help you do a better job? What resources are you missing? Maybe you have a management company that's not letting you know what's going on with the actual onsite manager. So, you know, once you start building that rapport with that onsite person and they, you let them know that you're on their team and you're not against them, it opens up great doors. You know, you start having one-on-one conversations with them directly, at least I would. And they knew my cell phone number. They could call me at any time. And so I I built really good relationships with my on-site people. And again, I think that's, again, making these site visits, seeing your face, take a couple hundred dollar bills. And as you see, the maintenance guy is doing a good job, hand them hundred dollar bills, right? I mean, that a hundred dollar bill can go a long way for a maintenance guy or somebody picking up trash, just telling them they're doing a good job. Absolutely. Absolutely. It'll go from maybe doing a shoddy job taping up something that's going to be a problem that's going to keep happening or to something where they really feel they're going to go that extra mile and it'll, and it could save you thousands upon thousands of dollars in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. You know, showing up at night, you know, is your property lit up? Would you want your mother or your sister living at that property? You know, how's it look at night? Is it well lit? Do you feel safe? you know, all those kinds of things. You know, I love it. Like Right now we see a lot of guys, you know, they'll analyze these deals. You'll see these big spreadsheets, but they actually have never set foot on a property and there's no line item. There's no Excel spreadsheet for that. You got to go and just be in those people's shoes, be in those maintenance guys shoes. Do they have everything, all the tools that they need to do to get the job done? So again, being on site. I think I learned this because the first big property I bought, I had a a partnership where my job was to be the managing member and be on site, be the actual manager day to day. So I've sat in the leasing seat. I cleaned out toilets and sewer lines. And so I think that's, you asked me about my superpower and I'm going to spoil it right now. I think that's my superpower is that for five years, I got to sit behind the desk and talk to the tenants, right? And realize what they were looking for. So when I go on site now, I don't have a manager go like, 
well, you just don't understand what I go through every day. And I go, no, actually I do. I did this job. I know where all the cleanouts are on these sewer lines. I know the, some of the still, I have some of the same tenants that I placed in that property. So I think that's my superpower. And I'm spoiling your question at the end <laughs> because I've done it. You know, I've actually physically been there. So, you know, I think the more and more you can spend on a property, you start understanding how the business, that's where the rubber meets the road in this business, Right where the day-to-day is and dealing with tenants and helping them. So so Dave, you know, when you're when you're doing site business, are there some big red flags that you see maybe as a buyer or as a broker when you're going to a property, things that you're like, uh oh, this is gonna be a problem? Um, not really. I mean, I can't think of any huge red flags. I mean, I guess that would be one is, you know, you said these units are vacant and I see beds in them and I see clothing. You know, I think if I'm going there and doing these maybe a couple of times a year site visit and we're starting to see the same issues, right? That would be a red flag. The landscape is not being mowed or being trimmed how I want it. That would be a huge problem is, hey, I've directed you to do this. Or I guess another one would be, you know, we budgeted for brand new pool equipment and I don't see brand new pool equipment out here. You know, what's going on? So those would be my red flags as if I'm not seeing action from direction I've given. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Well, what about um, you? What's your big red flag? When we're doing site visits on, on a property that we own, a lot of it is the neatness of the property. You know, that you see that right away. And it's easy to walk by trash. That little thing is so important. If they're caring for that property, that attention to detail, I know that they are applying that attention to detail throughout all the different tasks that they have to do. So that's a good, good, simple sign for me. That's, yeah, that makes sense. So if you're seeing trash, you're seeing the little things outside on the physical property, maybe the financials and the leases aren't being, you know, every T's not being crossed and dot, dot, dot. yeah, I got you. That's a great point. Yeah. I want them to be really, every little detail counts. And we set that expectation from the beginning so that they know where to shoot for, where, you know, like we have a very high standard when, you know, whenever we do these surprise visits, we're not trying to catch you in doing something bad. We actually want to catch you doing something good. And if something isn't to our liking, then we look at it as a learning opportunity in the beginning. And then the next time, then that becomes a real problem. We want to give someone an opportunity to do well, and hopefully that will inspire them to go that extra mile. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. And like you said, like I want my properties to be clean, functional, affordable. That's always been my saying, clean, functional, affordable, right? I, I want to clean. It's not, it doesn't take a lot of money to keep a property clean. And that's why I want to provide that service to my tenants. And so it's not a, I'm checking up on you. I want to make sure my tenants are getting the product that they're paying for. But you can see how it comes off as like you're checking up on me, but it is. I've got a responsibility, right? You have a responsibility to your investors, to the bank, to the lender, everybody. And so I am going to, you know, trust, but verify, right? I mean, it's a simple business, right? Trust, but verify. And, you know, you brought up a good point. Like if you're taking care of the property, the tenants are going to stay. If work orders are getting done, if you're improving the property, we took over one property in December and, you know, huge rent bumps. Everyone's renewing and we're bringing up the rents, even the ones that, you know, without the renovations almost to market. And they all want to stay because they see what we're doing and the care that we're taking to this property and they want to be a part of it. Yeah. And it's an easier conversation to have, right? We're bumping rents, but you're also getting this better service, right? You know, if you're getting the same crappy apartment and crappy management, why should I have to pay more for that? So it's a good story and good, you know, business. And that's the thing for the managers, right? The better I make this property and the more money I'm putting into it and the more resources I'm giving you, 
the easier it is for you to do a lease up and get the renewals that you need to make your bonuses, right? And to make your lease up bonus or your NOI bonus. So, Well, Dave, this is the time we start wrapping up. I appreciate you coming on the show and adding a ton of value on doing site visits. Please tell the listeners where they can find out more about you. Yeah, I mean, you guys can find me on social media, uh, Dave Childers on Facebook, ria-inc.com. That's my company website here in Nashville. Oh, actually, one other thing. I always give my cell phone number away. So I think, you know, I've been doing this since the first podcast. My cell number is 615-479-8737. If you want to reach out and talk, give me a call, give me a text, give me a little bit of time to respond. But I, I always do that. I always love the responses and contacts I make through that. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Dave. This is Gary Lipsky signing off. I'll be back next week with another informative episode on the Real Estate Asset Management Podcast. To all of our listeners, thanks for joining us. And if you like this episode, please head over to iTunes or Stitcher and like, subscribe, and review this podcast as it will help us grow our audience and reach more people. And if you'd like to learn more about what we do at Break of Day Capital, head over to our website, breakofdaycapital.com and sign up for our newsletter and or fill out our investor application. We'll talk to you next week. 